When thinking about the typical hacker that poses a threat to your business, for many it conjures up an image of cybercriminals in darkened rooms doing their best to infiltrate the organization from outside. But sometimes the biggest cybersecurity threat can come from inside your own walls, with an employee playing a major role in a cyber attack or data breach. I'm Danny Palmer, this is ZDNet Security Update, and with me to discuss these insider threats is Adoniki Cosgrove, cybersecurity strategist at Proofpoint. Thanks for joining me, Adoniki. So, first of all, what is an insider threat attack? Yeah, so I think first of all, it's important to put things in context um, with the larger cybersecurity landscape. And, you know, as cybersecurity professionals, we, we spend a lot of our time really focusing on keeping threats out, right? Blocking the bad guys from coming in, blocking the cyber criminals from getting access to our systems and data. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense because if you look at the threat profile and a lot of the attacks that take place from business email compromise to malware, ransomware, obviously making a lot of the headlines right now, all of these external attacks cause significant damage. They cause disruption. Uh, they impact our ability to do business if you look at the TravelX example. Um, and, you know, again, looking at the Verizon data breach report, the latest report, they found that of the top three causes of the data breaches that they analyzed, number one leading cause of data breaches causing 35% of those breaches is the use of stolen credentials. So again, outside criminals stealing credentials to get access to data. Number two is still phishing. Phishing still works. Criminals sending simple emails to our employees, getting them to interact with the payloads. But one of the interesting things in that same Verizon data breach report is that the number three cause of data breaches is human error, the insider, our employees and users making mistakes, right? This isn't an external criminal uh, hacking the network and stealing data. It's someone trying to do their job. It's someone that's accidentally uploading something to Dropbox or Box or Google Drive. Uh, their credentials are compromised. The criminals steal that data. It's someone attaching something to an email, sending it to their personal email address because they want to, again, do their work quickly and bypass corporate controls which again, according to company policy, might be considered a data breach. And in some cases, it might be a malicious insider that is trying to monetize corporate data, that's trying to take intellectual property with them to their next job, or might be working with a nation state, right, to infiltrate the network, giving criminals access to the organization. And so I think for too long, we focus on the outside, and the external criminal and not really paid enough attention to the insiders and those that are making mistakes, those that are compromised or those that are possibly um, malicious and working with cyber criminals. And ultimately, you know, an insider threat can happen when someone within or close to an organization has authorized access to data and exposes that data which negatively impacts the organization's critical information and systems. Uh, so again, it's important to pay attention to the fact that it's not just the outside criminal. Uh, we need to understand our people. We need to understand what data they have access to and potentially the dangerous ways in which they might compromise that data. Thank you for that. You mentioned there the you know, two types of this. Uh, let's talk about um, accidents, first of all, or, or mistakes. As you mentioned, uh, 
people can make errors when trying to transfer files or trying to make their jobs a little bit easier. And I suppose, you know, given that I am speaking to you from you know, where I live, uh, you're speaking to people from where you live, a lot of people are having to deal with this now, uh, this year. And in some cases, people might turn to using a, you know, their own software to help do their job, you know, help use a cloud service to help transfer files, let's say. But that can easily lead to issues, say, if they forget that they've, they've left uh, these corporate files in what could be a public-facing uh, cloud database. Absolutely. Um, and I think you point on, you touch on something really interesting that's happening now uh, that we've never really seen before at this scale. And that's the fact that most organizations are having to rethink the way that they work. Employees are having to rethink the way that they collaborate. The result of the disruption because of coronavirus has meant that there is this uh, mass migration of employees from behind that corporate firewall, from behind the controls to their homes, where there is no network firewall in my home, right? There is no IDS, there is no IPS solution. There aren't those controls and layers and layers of controls that the business has implemented to identify these indicators of compromise. And so as people are trying to do their jobs, there's oftentimes we find that lack of understanding of corporate policy. Right? When we do training, the training around uh, security and awareness is typically on, again, that outside criminal. Be aware of phishing threats. Be aware of you know, business email compromise. Be aware of vishing, SMS phishing. Uh, but are we actually communicating our corporate policies to our employees in a way that's understandable and approachable? Are we making it simple and clear what we can and can't do with intellectual property, especially now that so many people are at home and you know, potentially working on their personal devices as well uh, and processing customer data and processing sensitive intellectual property. So you know, when we think about the insider threat, don't just look at it as a malicious user or a bad employee that's doing something intentionally bad, the vast majority of breaches from insider threats are typically unintentional. You know, it's a lack of understanding. It's a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of knowing what cloud services I can and can't use. It's a lack of knowing that you shouldn't be sharing your credentials. You shouldn't be allowing your, you know, spouse or children to use your personal device or your work device. It's convenience. And so from an IT and security perspective, how can we allow employees to do their job conveniently, quickly, easily, but securely? Thank you for that. And so when it comes to uh, the malicious uh, insider, I mean, what is uh, the motivation uh, uh, behind this? Because you mentioned there could be disgruntled employees who are looking to uh, harm the organization they work for or there's cases where employees have been blackmailed or coerced into uh, doing this sort of thing as well. So I guess at a basic level, uh, take me to the stages of what happens when an insider attack uh, like this occurs, please. Yeah, so for the malicious insider specifically, and this typically accounts for less than 10%, it could be in the single digits of data breaches that we identify, but those can be um, the, the, the ones that have the largest impact 
uh, to the organization because it is malicious and they are intentionally looking for data and looking to cause harm. I think it's important to pay attention first to the motivations, as you mentioned. What is driving this person to do what they're doing? What is driving this person to steal that data? And we find that there are typically three buckets of motivation. First is that unintentional, as we've described, someone making a mistake. Next is emotionally motivated. Especially now, again, in the times that we live in, that we're living in, people are being made redundant. You know, people are being furloughed. People are uh, unsure of their future. They're uncertain about, you know, their longevity in a job or in their career or in their company. And so you have that emotion of fear, of anger, of frustration that might be driving people to potentially collect information just in case. I'm going to download all of this intellectual property. A salesperson might download all of the customer data from Salesforce just in case I get laid off and I need to get another job. I want to keep my contacts, my contacts. And in their minds, the intellectual property is theirs, right? Because they were working on that data, they were processing that data. So there is that expectation that I should be able to take this with me. Um, so again, you've got that emotion-based uh, motivation for wanting to collect this information and cause a data breach. But there's also financial motivation. There's an example, actually, very recent example of Tesla, uh, where an employee at Tesla was contacted by WhatsApp uh, by some individual that they didn't know. But, you know, it was, uh, I believe there was a situation where they wanted to go on a holiday with this person and there were other employees involved or contacts involved. Uh, and ultimately, this criminal revealed their hand to the Tesla employee and said, hey, we will give you a million dollars if you install this malware on the network. And this employee was responsible for the computer network of the systems of, of Tesla. And so the criminals had done their research. They'd identified the roles and responsibilities of the individuals within Tesla. They'd identified this individual that was responsible for computer systems, and they said, install this malware. We want you to cause a denial of service attack on the network by installing this malware. By doing that, you are distracting the IT and security team with this DDoS attack. And when you do that, we will then start collecting data. We'll download the data while the IT and security team is distracted. And then ultimately, you know, hold the data up for ransom and, you know, Tesla is going to pay us millions. And by doing this, Insider, we're going to give you a million dollars. So in that case, there's a financial motivation for the insider to potentially interact with the criminals, install malware in the network, allow the criminals to steal that data so that they could ultimately get that million dollars. In the case of Tesla, because this employee was educated, they had the knowledge, uh, they knew the impact this would have on the business, and there was that company culture uh, of you know, everyone protecting the organization. The employee ultimately contacted the FBI, let them know about this criminal trying to um, impact Tesla, and the criminals were apprehended and ultimately, you know, there's now a court case uh, taking place. But it's important to understand that motivation. Is it emotional? Is it unintentional? Are they trying to make money? What data do people have access to? And based on that insight, you can then more effectively protect the organization and the data. It's interesting, I was going to ask, you know, what was the result of that case? Because it was either going to be someone got caught because they helped outsiders, or in this case, they 
uh, so did the right thing and reported the potential attack uh, to uh, their, their, their employers and the authorities, which um, that this person seemed had a uh, the mind to do that. But for others, it might not be so easy. A million dollars is a lot of money, and it even if the person doesn't have outright malicious uh, attitudes towards their employer, it could be difficult to turn down. It could be difficult to down, turn down, absolutely. Um, we've seen other examples where they haven't turned it down. So um, there's an example of an organization that's based in Atlanta where an employee set out to sabotage the company. Um, in this case, it wasn't financially motivated. It was more emotional. They wanted to cause disruption. And so they stole all of the passwords from the organization. They had access to those password systems um, and ultimately reset all of the passwords to the routers across dozens of sites causing significant disruption. You have another example in Morrison's here in the UK where there was that breach in 2014, right, where an employee stole all of the payroll data for, what, 100,000 employees. Um, and that had an effect on Morrison's where a number of employees actually sued the organization because they said, you should have protected my personal data that I entrusted to you. And on the financial side, you also have another example of financial motivation where uh, more recently in September, it's the e-commerce platform Shopify, where an insider, an employee within the company carried out um, an attack where they stole uh, the financial data from about 200 e-commerce sites. So in that case, very much financially motivated. Um, and this is why, again, it's important to understand the motivation because you can protect against that. You need to understand your business better than the criminals do. You need to understand who has access to what data, who has access to what systems, what their normal behavior looks like, but more importantly, what abnormal looks like. If someone's all of a sudden accessing a part of the system that they typically don't access, if they're downloading swaths of data that they don't typically download, if I'm downloading a database from Salesforce and renaming it to JPEG, for example, right? So that I'm trying to evade detection based on the file type. Identify unusual behavior because then those are triggers that you can use to potentially launch a further investigation. Another reason I've seen reported about why insider threats occur is ultimately blackmail. People, there's a lot of information about, so is all of us out there online right now, information that's easy for um, criminals and, uh, and other sort of nefarious types to find. Some of that information people might not want out there or people could just be threatened uh, in a way that says if you don't do this for me as a you know give me the, these passwords this i will do this threatening thing uh, is this a problem uh, for insider uh, threat as well and how do you, how do organizations uh, protect against this particular type of threat uh, especially when the individual uh, being coerced might feel as if they don't have any other options than to go with what the criminals want. It's so it's interesting. Um, this being October, it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month, um, and we've been working with a number of our customers to uh, launch training and awareness programs uh, to their employees. Um, and we've been giving some of these training sessions to employees. 
Um, and in one session that we delivered, a question was raised by an employee that said, because one of our recommendations um, during this session was go to have I been phoned, put your email address in there. If your email address is in there and it's been breached, the first thing you want to do is change your password. Um, and one of the employees asked, oh my gosh, my email address is out there. I use the same password across a number of different services. What do I do? And what's clear is, again, there's still a bit of a gap in what exactly we're training our employees to do. It's not enough to just train them about what they can and can't do at work, what they should and shouldn't do with passwords, what they should and shouldn't do with phishing. You have to tie it to the personal. You have to educate them on social media. The first stage of every attack that a criminal will launch is reconnaissance. They're going out there, they're doing their research, they're going on social media, they're looking at your LinkedIn profile, they're downloading as much information about you as an individual as possible so that they can tailor their attack specific to you, or like you say, so that they can blackmail you based on the information that they gather. They are also, with that reconnaissance stage, looking at compromised credentials. Because if they can get access to your Gmail, to your Dropbox, to your Facebook, because you're using the same password across a number of different services, they can do deeper, further research on you and potentially blackmail you. So I think the first thing we need to do as organizations and security professionals is we have to educate our employees about what they can and can't do in their personal lives how to protect their personal information because it is now linked to the corporate world. The lines are blurring, um, especially now. So, you know, really our recommendation to security professionals is always focus on training your people. The criminals are targeting those people. They're getting data on those individuals. And we have to do the work as well to help our people stay in front of uh, those threats. And when it comes to uh, protecting against uh, all kinds of insider threats, uh, what is it that organisations should be doing? Are there any telltale signs to look out for that this could potentially be a problem on the horizon for them? Yeah, so again, linking it back to the three types of insider, whether it's a compromised insider, a malicious insider, or unintentional insider, based on the type of insider, the controls that you implement will vary, right? So if you're dealing with someone that's made a mistake, it's about training. Focus on your training programs, focus on how you're educating people. Uh, and again, one training for one individual might not be the same kind of content you deliver to someone else. It really is based on the job that they do, the data that they have access to, the systems that they're leveraging, their privilege within the organization, as well as the vulnerability. Um, so if you have an unintentional user that makes mistakes, train them. However, if you have someone that's potentially compromised or someone that has intentionally stolen data or is doing bad things within the organization, you might want to start an investigation. And I think right now, the problem with insider threats is that we wait for something to happen before we respond. We wait for a data breach before we actually do that investigation. And that's why the numbers are increasing. In fact, according to the Verizon data breach report, they said, I'm trying to quote them accurately here. Uh, they said that uh, the only action type that is consistently increasing year on year in frequency is human error. 
people can and frequently do make mistakes and then they go further and say errors are now equally as common as social engineering breaches and more common than breaches caused by malware attacks right so i think the fact that we've so focused on the outside and we're investigating only after something happens we can't keep up with that because it's going to be expensive it's going to be difficult for us to maintain that and our recommendation then is for you to start with visibility get visibility into your people understand your business better than the criminals do who's accessing what data who has access to which systems who's potentially got compromised credentials because that's an insider as well the criminals getting legitimate access to a user's details to log into Office 365 and download data. Who are those compromised users? What are those changes in behavior and patterns that are out of the norm? And it's only when you get that visibility can you then identify what the unusual looks like and do that investigation before you ultimately get a big breach. Thanks, Adam. Here's some really good advice there, and hopefully uh, people watching this will uh, take that on board. And for more information and advice on how to keep your organization secure from insider threats and any other types of cyber attacks, be sure to keep watching ZDNet Security Update and keep checking out ZDNet.com for news and features on these subjects as well. Thanks for watching.